Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm a character named Morgan Thrapp, who is on this podcast. Whoa, how meta. Mm-hmm. In fact, this may be so meta that we also have a guest. Indeed, we do. The most meta of things to do on a podcast. Have a guess. Wow. Uh, welcome. Welcome back to the podcast, Paul. Thank you. It's good to be back. Is it? I mean, <laughs> I ask that every time of everyone. <laughs> it is because I am once again exposed to the uncharted waters of Baywatch, the cultural phenomenon that I should know more than nothing about should you uh <laughs> as someone who does in fact know significantly more than nothing about it i'm not sure that's <laughs> right i i agree i we know way too much about a tv show honestly mm-hmm. like is there any tv show that you can think of that you know more about oh me yeah um both of you i don't know man I, honestly i'm not sure I feel like the only one that might come close is It's Always Sunny, but I haven't watched that in so long that I'm not sure that's true anymore. I assumed you were going to say Lost. Oh, actually, honestly, at least back in the day when it was still airing, that might have been true because I was I was a devoted uh, person on the forums and going through all of the ARGs and just just doing everything. Sure, sure. Paul, how about? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, like next to nothing. <laughs> but, but just pretend that you do know everything. Paul, same question to you. <laughs> hey, pretend you're smart for a minute. Oh, uh, I I think it comes to it's a really it's a niche cartoon that has still not seen a physical media release, uh, and that would be Megas XLR. Oh, okay, great answer, uh, and. Somehow I knew you would say that, I feel, uh, because <laughs> you, you you have talked to me many times about Megas XLR, uh, which I always used to like sort of catch a little bit of uh, and never fully sat down and watch. Maybe I should one of these days. It's uh, in, it, just one of my favorites. Like everything about that show that it embodies and the way it does some pop culture stuff is great. Like how they have Bruce Campbell voice a villain who like is him <laughs> like in mech form which is great mm-hmm. oh nice well you're already selling me um but you know wh- who else needs to be sold that's the baywatch audience because mm-hmm. this is season four episode 18 rescue bay and this was written by steve barnes who last wrote season four episode three that's this season. Uh, and he wrote Lover's Cove, the episode where Hobie falls in love with the terminally ill girl. Um, oh, I right. think this episode's probably better than that one. Uh, yes. Um, and it was directed by the man himself, Gregorio J. Giorgio Boninorio, Gregory J. Bonin, wow. DJB. Uh, and right, it's also better directed <laughs> than yeah. anything else. I, done. Like, to give some spoilers, 
I think this might be one of my favorite episodes in quite a agreed, while. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and this aired February 28th, 1994. Some small trivia before we get to guest stars. I looked up some of the uncredited extras, and based on the episodes that they were in, it sounds like this episode was filmed maybe on the same day as the episode before it. So probably they shot some of this one back to back, which is weird because I feel like Baywatch doesn't normally shoot episodes chronologically, (laughs) you know? Right. Right. They, they're kind of weird about it. Uh, you know, they just film some things and are like, eh, I hope it makes sense. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of figuring it out, let's talk about some guest stars. Here we go. Here we go. First one. Dan Blom plays Dolph Oppelganger, which is the best name I've heard for a character ever. When they explained that that was his name on the show, I, I lost <laughs> It was so good. Because it's basically just doppelganger. <laughs> it's doppelganger. But it also feels like it's a doppelganger of Dolph Lundgren at the same time. Yes. Who And also he's doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression it's, the entire it's episode. three layers of humor. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, um, like they, it's like they sat there and were like, all right, we need to make sure we hit all of our audiences. We need a doppelganger joke. We need a Dolph Lundgren joke. And we need a Terminator joke. Yeah, which, I mean, what else could you ask for from a show about lifeguards? Or a show about (laughs) a show about lifeguards. Whoa. (laughs) Now, maybe you know Dan Blum as Hugo from Lady Killers. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you know this? Uh, I mean, I've seen Lady Killers. That's the... The movie with Woody Harrelson, right? I don't know. Here, Morgan, read this description. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, I think I'm thinking of a different movie. (laughs) Are are you thinking of Lady Schmillers? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I'm thinking of Natural Born Killers. I love that one because it's not great. Like, it's a weird... That's the one that has uh, Ronnie Dangerfield... Just like beating up women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yeah. And there's all it's it's uh Oliver Stone directed, mm-hmm. written by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a weird I, one. I don't know if I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I do either, to be clear, but I that was the movie I was thinking of. But what about this movie, Morgan? But what movie is that, Michael? Lady Killers. well i know nothing about it other than the brief description you've sent me uh which is that a brutal live stage murder is committed on one of the hot male dancers at what's considered to be the hottest club in la a place where the guys strip and the women cheer right right what is a live stage murder Is because that's is not, that like pulling out a gun at a play and being like whoops, right? Is that what that is? It seems like it. Now the the fun part about this for me is that I read the IMDb reviews and there's a review that's maybe one of the most progressive reviews of a movie I've ever read, and it's from the year hey. two thousand. And I was like, whoa, oh. what? And it's just talking about the idea of like of putting 
men in the role that would normally be, you know, a woman at a strip club murdered. Because uh, right. the main plot is that a woman has to investigate and they send a man undercover as a stripper who ends up starting to enjoy it too much. Huh. What a twist. I know, right? And I'm like, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. It sounds interesting, at least. Right? And uh, maybe it'll be worth watching. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'll watch it. I'm not holding my no, breath. No. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Lisa Canning is back. She was last in episode, uh, sorry, season three, episode 10, Lifeguards Can't Jump as Cookie Washington. She was a girlfriend of. Oh, she didn't do much. She doesn't do much in this episode either, other than Mac on Garner. But yeah, hey, I did not like that subplot. No, I did not either. But hey, great job of making out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was convincing. Now, I believed that they were kissing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> it could have been sly. Ooh, it could have been. Maybe maybe you're sly. Whoa. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Paul is Dolph Oppelganger. Oh, <laughs> only <in> my dreams. <laughs> now, uh, this next part I wrote before I watched the episode, which is OK. Unfortunately, this is another Jeff Altman episode. Uh, yes, I was also worried about that when I saw his name. So for context, Paul, Jeff Altman is our least favorite guest actor on this show by a long time. Uh, Every time he comes is a stinker. So first time he played uh, the lecherous character, Fred, who wanted to be a lifeguard so bad that he like got some gear and then just started groping women on the beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then the second time he played Dennis, who was a guy who just got him married. He's on his honeymoon and he ditches his wife to go on a date with CJ Whoa. It's now. And I also say uh, I actually kind of liked him in this episode, which I hate. I think this works for him. It, it does work for him because he's too bumbling. He's supposed to be a little bit sleazy and he plays it a little bit sleazy. Um, it I don't know. I I thought it worked. I, I, and I also hate. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, this is his third of seven appearances on this show. Ooh, there's four more to go. Yeah. I uh, know, right? We're going to have to deal with this guy up through season nine. <laughs> wow. Uh, and we'll have to see him in Thunder in Paradise. And wow. we'll have to hear him when we eventually lose our minds and decide to watch B-Movie. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I did finally see B-Movie like a month what? ago. That movie... Have either of you seen no, the movie? No. Okay. Here's here's what I will say about B movie. I knew going into B movie that B movie was going to be wild and right because the B fucks the woman, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil B movie other than to say you have no idea <laughs> exactly how bananas that movie gets in a good way. It. The politics of that movie are maybe the most insane thing I've ever wow. seen. B movie politics. Um, I don't I don't want to spoil it, 
Um, other than to say that it seems to imply that slavery is the slave's fault. Uh, what? Pretty uh, overtly. Well, how? Um, what, this is a movie about bees. Like, oh, yes, it sure like is. Like worker bees. It's it, your fault. You're so mindless. You should. Yeah, yes. I get it. But, but so much more. <laughs> um, so, so you're saying bad. It's a bad movie, then. I'm saying that on Letterboxd, I gave it half a star and a half. Oh. Because it is the, one of the best things I've ever watched, and also possibly a work. <laughs> okay, I will ask, though, this, the guy who plays the... I'm sorry, what was the this guest star's name? The one who you don't like? Jeff Altman. Jeff Altman. Jeff Altman. Is he just... It seems like he's just trying to play... Uh, Ray from Ghostbusters. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no. Uh, you like he's just play, he's playing. Definitely he, draw he's that playing way. Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Yes. Oh, for sure. He absolutely is. Um, he you know he's a he was like a, a semi famous comedian, um, you know, at the time, and he's also a TV guy, uh, which brings me into my next point. Have either of you ever heard of? Pink Lady and Jeff. No, not at all. Well, oh boy, get ready. Uh, before we start talking about this, I posted a video in here. Um, could you please just watch maybe 30 seconds of this? Sure. Oh, yeah, I was entranced. I watched it a little bit earlier. Let me know when, you're, when you've watched like 30 seconds. Yeah, I can, I can get down with that. Some good like classic jazzy, swingy show, ta- show tune kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's the band Pink Lady. So Pink Lady and Jeff was a variety show that aired for five weeks on NBC in 1980. Uh, It starred Jeff Altman and Pink Lady, a J-pop duo comprised of Mie and Kay. Now, why did this show last five weeks? Well, yeah, that does seem a little too long. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it was bad, but it's worse than you think. Uh, oh, these so, promotional images are horrendous. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything about this is bad. You see, firstly, they couldn't really settle on a name for the show. So they kind of jumbled it back and forth between Pink Lady and Pink Lady and Jeff. And this was probably due to the fumbling by the show's developers, Sid and Marty Croft, who you may remember as the creators of Lidsville, a show we reviewed yes. an episode of. Yes. Uh-huh. Um. Now, next up, they had issues booking people. They were given huge sums of money uh, to appear on the show because they were like, hey, variety shows are dying. It's 1980. Like, we need you on this show. They also had some, like, favors that they were doing. Like, apparently Sid and Marty Croft were really good friends with Alice Cooper. And were like, yo, yo, can you, like, write (laughs) us the music? And he's like, yeah, sure. And they also had created the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, so they knew, like, Donny Osmond, mm. or not Donny Osmond, uh, they knew, um, oh, my God, uh, the the one who played the mom on the Brady Bunch. They also knew Donny Osmond, but um, they basically called in a bunch of favors. So, mm-hmm. examples where Lauren Green was, was booked for the show and only agreed to appear four hours before the episode actually taped. Uh, wow. So, and I understand that's rough, 
But that's like kind of manageable. Like you just tell him, hey, Lauren, here's what you do. Come and read this, whatever. So th- this sure. becomes less manageable when you learn the next hurdle, which is that Mia and Kay don't speak English. Huh. Ah. <laughs> the cro- Yeah, it doesn't seem great. No. The Crofts were told that they do, and then they found oh. out that they don't. <laughs> and even Uh-oh. when they found that out, they said, fuck it, let's keep making it. <laughs> What's more, the network insisted the Pink Lady speak and sing in English. So, uh, so they had to learn their lines phonetically. So once you wrote it, right. you couldn't change it. Therefore, oh, God. booking someone four hours before filming is fraught, right? Yeah. What's more is that the network wanted separate identities for them, which went against the point of Pink Lady, which is that they are so much in unison that they were one single Pink Lady. Ah. Wow. Wild. Even more so is that they were still (laughs) touring in Japan. So they had to fly back and forth to between Japan and America and learn their lines while doing it. Uh, All for this terrible reality variety show that was only going to last five weeks. Yes. Now, I have a quote here from Wikipedia. Paul, I'd like you to read this quote, please. Each show ended with a tuxedo-clad Jeff getting lured, pushed, or pulled into the on-set hot tub by Mie and Kie. This gag oh, oriented no. with, originated with Sid Croft, who had used a similar device on the Brady Bunch hour in each episode. Ugh. What? Oh, Greg would push Peter into the swimming pool. Okay, not a creepy hot tub. Oh. Altman felt it would have been an amusing one-time gag, but by employing it each week, it became contrived. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Altman tried to convince the writing staff to do away with the segment, but he was vetoed, mostly because the segment afforded everyone the opportunity to say Mie and Kie in bikinis. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> why did this get made? Uh, yes. Ultimate question. It's, okay, actually, you know what? I have the answer. I want you both to tell me what you think the reason is. Morgan, you first. Uh, I'm going to guess that Sid and Marty Croft uh, had a really big fetish for Asian women. Paul, what about you? I'm guessing this is this gives me like inklings of like the guy show. And I'm wondering if it was like the early makings of like, oh, what if we just do like a really kind of smutty show and. That's how this was born. I'll tell you, the answer is so much weirder than both of those. Okay, that's terrible. So the CEO of NBC was watching some CBS one night and he saw a Walter Cronkite interview with Pink Lady and and thought we can make this work. (laughs) And that's the reason why (laughs) these poor women what? Yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, screw it, the, the, them. And he thought they seem cool. I need a, I need a hit, pink lady. And then Jeff Altman was in a bunch of things, and they're like, who do we got? Jeff is free. Okay, so they brought, yeah. they brought Jeff in, and then they brought in uh, later James Varney, who um, played uh, J- uh, Jed on a, on um, uh, was it Beverly Hill Hillbillies and. A Jed Clampett, and it was also the voice of Slinky Dog in in Toy Story. They had him come mm. on and be like, J- uh, "Like James, 
these women can do nothing because they don't speak English. Can you do some skits? And he's like, uh, I guess. Uh, so they just had a bunch of people on to fill the time until Mie and Kei could come on and uh, and sing. Now, uh, some of the let's talk about some of the music. Uh, Jeff and Pink Lady. I, the Wikipedia article lists like songs that they were singing. So, like episode one, they're singing "Boogie Wonderland," uh, "Stop in the sure. Name of Love." Uh, You've got a friend in me. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, they episode two. They sang "We Are Family" with Donny Osmond. Uh, sure, sure. They sang on Broadway with Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, wow. Uh, they sang UFO. They sang. Uh, wait, Hugh Hefner sang "My Kind of Town." What? that's weird i when Uh, when i looked up images for the show and all i saw were like hot tip interviews i was like this is not (laughs) yeah they sang how deep is your love they sang yesterday uh they sang MacArthur party that song's like 20 minutes long um uh they sang johnny be good okay that's weird uh sugar pie honey bunch uh, Roy Orbison was on this show? What the fuck? Why? Uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, the show was canceled pretty quickly because it sucked, right? Yeah. And it was ranked number 35 on TV Guide's 50 worst TV shows of all time. Wow. The applause. <laughs> right? So uh, apparently also this kind of like hurt their career. You know, Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. So. Apparently. Oh, okay. So around this time, Kie had a publicized affair with someone um, with an actor and they told her, choose between your career and your relationship. And she chose her relationship. Um, but she was going to America, so it's like, America doesn't give a shit. I can just do yeah. this. And then, um, and they broke up, like, a year after this show ended. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff Altman ruins everything. That's my point. Except for this episode. Yeah, weirdly, he works in this one. And this is, small spoiler, I think maybe the most perfect encapsulation of what Baywatch is, is this episode. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because it's, yeah, it's a, a it's a fun it's an episode about wanting to make Baywatch. Why would yes. you want to? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, people will watch TV as long as there are, quote, good stories about interesting people. Yes, yes, that yeah. is that is unfortunately how tv works but not how baywatch works (laughs) you see it's the syndication now uh just like night yeah yeah. something else uh not essential to this episode but uh, we'll put in the show notes is um i found an interview with david hasselhoff um where he Basically, he talks about kind of the show and him wanting to make it. And uh, this is, I think, right before season two. And he talks about wanting to make sure that the show is focused on action, not on violence, but action. There's a difference. And that 
you know, people really want to see my relationship with my son, not the bikini girls. Um, notice his son is not here. Which is, yeah, I was going to say, which is why we've uh, barely seen Hobie this season at all. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> other things I will also put in the show notes is, uh, I forgot to tell you both to watch this, is a video called uh, Pamela Anderson Plays MS Genie of the Lamp in Aladdin. Um, where it's her singing genie in a bottle and it's extremely bad. Um, and I don't know if Pam Anderson is a good actress anymore, uh, which then leads <laughs> into a video of David Hasselhoff and his Baywatch friends, which is a six minute video, Morgan, of the concert that ended David Hasselhoff's American singing career. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the promo for the pay-per-view that happened the same night OJ went on that chase. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is just still the funniest fucking shit possible to me. I know. Um, before we get into the episode, Paul, anything you'd like to say? I, 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 I thought this episode, I mean, I've only seen a total of two Baywatch episodes, but I, I will agree with you both that this I, it, it's encouraging to hear you both speak positively about this episode because I felt the same way where I was like, you know, this isn't awful and it's kind of interesting to see them go like dial it up even more like they know Baywatch is ridiculous and they're dialing it up even further to show how ridiculous it would be to copy Baywatch which is already a ridiculous portrayal of lifeguards yeah right but it, it somehow also it's tone deaf yeah <laughs> oh for sure. oh yeah 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 when we get into that yeah I, job shadow car yeah. ride part of the plot that's uh that's a fun one. Oh, mm-hmm. more than just that that's just like the start of it <laughs> yeah but speaking of morgan let's let's get into it yes let's we uh we start off and we learn that cj's in hawaii but she better come back soon because they need her here on the beach for unspecified reasons. I think Stephanie just misses her, which is fair. They seem to be good friends. Did, did, did you um, catch her saying, though, that she's sure that they would be fine with her staying, which imp- the implication was she's a mega babe? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then uh, we see our our main producer character for this episode, Don, and he's on the beach and all the networks just passed on his new show. And boy, is he upset about it? Um, his new show was Dinosaur Park, right? Yes. Yes. What, which, yes. Oh, boy. I have some things to talk about here. So oh. first off, um, NBC passed on his ideas CBS passed on his ideas. ABC passed on his ideas. I wonder if this is about Baywatch. We'll get into that in a sec. Mm -hmm. Um, Dinosaur Park. He claims he had this idea before Michael Crichton even wrote Jurassic Park, which was 1990, which brings me to a side point. What I learned today. Did you know that Michael Crichton created ER? I did not. Yeah. And the pilot was directed by Steven Spielberg. I did know that, (laughs) but I did not realize it was created by. Yeah, that's him and Spielberg were like, hey, that Jurassic Park thing was pretty good. What else he got cooking up in that brain of yours? And he's like, what about medical drama? He's like, I like it. I like it. Let's do it. 
And so they should. Well, to be fair, first he was like, what if I made a really racist movie uh, called Congo? Sure. Um, and then they went to a medical drama. Sure. OK, yes. Uh, <laughs> that is that is correct. Uh, um, now. This definitely does not at all feel like a vague jab of the networks who who passed on Baywatch. Um, but oh, yeah. just so. I remember because I forgot. Morgan, can you describe uh, from memory the history of a Baywatch's fraught history? I said history a lot there with the networks. <laughs> um, from what I remember, um, season one got shopped around quite a bit and then they finally got picked up. I don't remember by which Who network. It <laughs> uh, doesn't really matter. Um but it basically did decently well, um, but not great enough that people were willing to pick them up again, uh, basically until Hasselhoff reinvested a whole bunch of his own money from Knight Rider into uh, getting it picked up. And then basically it hit syndication and got huge, basically all over the U.S. and ended up being a really good decision on his part. Yeah. Is that they basically redescribe the whole pro like the Rescue Beach, the show that they're going to talk mm-hmm. about, um, goes through. They, they say it goes through the exact same process, which is they sold it to foreign countries and then syndicated in the U.S. They're literally just yep. describing the creation of this whole episode is just Baywatch itself. Um, it's yes. it's the most self-flagellating episode. I think we've talked about this before about TV shows that are about the making of TV shows. There's not a lot of those. Yes. Um no. There's a lot of movies and and, and plays about them, but uh not a TV shows about TV shows. Right? I will say this this felt like one of the better examples of it to me cuz it it felt, you know, I I don't work in TV, I can't say for sure. But certainly based on everything I've heard, it sounded relatively accurate. Yeah. And and actually seemed like they were having fun making these somewhat self-deprecating jokes, but also somewhat, you know, yelling at the studios kind of. Yeah, I think based on interviews I've read, uh, you know, they're all kind of aware that Baywatch kind of sucks you know, and they're all aware mm-hmm. that this like people keep on leaving this show because they're like, oh, the script sucks, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched an interview with uh, Michael Newman, a.k.a. Numi, who was talking about Baywatch mm-hmm. Nights. And he says, you thought Baywatch was fucking bad. Holy <laughs> crap. Baywatch <laughs> Nights. <laughs> it's like, OK. Oh, I'm so excited. So, you know, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, in fact, the, the pilot, uh, the. Not the pilot episode, but the promo pilot that they shot for Baywatch Nights uh, has action mm-hmm. scenes of Sly um, in it. Really? Yeah, they just used the Garner That's footage. very funny. The Sly as Garner action footage to be like, here's some kind of action you will see on Baywatch Nights. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, sorry. Yeah, let's go back to the episode. This episode's wild and amazing. Yes. Um, but now we kind of just see uh, a bunch of different collisions of various beach activities. We've got Garner chasing down a graffiti on his ATV. 
We've got Matt seeing a boat on fire who goes to rescue them with Summer. Um, and then our producer, Don, sees all of this and has the idea to make a new TV show called Baywatch. I mean, Rescue Bay. Um, and then we see that the graffitier almost got away if it hadn't been for those damn meddling kids and their kites that Garner uses to lasso him. Um which was just wonderfully dumb and It goofy. makes no sense. None at right? all. Okay. Absolutely okay. So, none at all. So, Paul, Paul. Okay. Yes. Paul, um, I want you to picture you're a guy. Yep. Uh, not hard. Okay, great. Now, the next <laughs> thing I need you to picture is that you're a guy with a kite. Okay, a little bit yep. harder. Okay, next thing is I want you to picture you're a guy at a kite who who's good at this. And is so good that he can <laughs> make people trip on a kite. Like, why, why not yeah. just run after him? I was also wondering about that. And also, why does the criminal immediately give up? Okay, wait, but well, I think the thing that's most impressive here is that it's not the kid with the kite that's good at it. It's the police officer or security guy that is takes said kid's kite and is like, let me just finagle this kite. Like, it's not even, the, yeah. like, there's no, has he used a kite before in any episode? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, maybe it's just a hidden talent. I feel I like, don't, I don't know. I feel like navigating a kite to thwart a criminal is not like riding a bike to thwart a criminal, but I don't know. Yeah. Counterpoint though. Batman could definitely use a kite to thwart a criminal, but could he use a bike? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. So maybe Garner's in, the inverse Batman. In Batman's case, though, it would be a bat kite, and that changes everything. A bat bike, yeah. <laughs> it's a bike, but instead of wheels, it's batarang-shaped things, and it's like, why does this never work? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other great thing about this scene is that there is... So much pointless slow-mo. Like, there's maybe my favorite slow-mo of any episode we've seen is Matt, Stephanie, and Summer slow-moing in so slow that they end up becoming useless. (laughs) It's just it's it's amazing. This episode's art. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's genuinely very good. Um, which is distressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, c- great job, Paul. You ended up on the good episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was pretty impressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but after all of this, uh, the boat rescue also succeeded. And uh, Don realizes he better make this show. So he heads over to Stephanie and is like, hey, you should get involved in my new show that I'm filming called Rescue Bay. And Stephanie's like, that's stupid. Who would ever watch a show about lifeguards? <laughs> um, and then he eventually just keeps being like, come on, please. Um, but she is just not even a little. Interested. He, he says, don't you um, want an accurate portrayal of lifeguards on TV? Which, hey, Baywatch, mm-hmm. what you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> also, he asked Stephanie if she's ever thought of putting monster wheels on trucks. And I got to say, yes. that's a great idea. That sounds amazing. Yes. Honestly, Stephanie, if you haven't thought about that before, you might be bad at your job. Because the, like, just got to say. The scene before was Garner on an ATV 
not caring for anyone's mortality at all going down <laughs> nope. the beach now can you imagine the lifeguards doing that with monster trucks holy shit the best show Listen, ever i'm not even saying stephanie has to have considered it in terms of like she's actually going to do it i'm just saying if you've never sat around thinking what if we put monster wheel trucks or monster tires on this truck I just don't I don't know if we can be friends. (laughs) I mean, also, like only the great mind of a TV producer could come up with such an idea. Absolutely. (laughs) I think also my my favorite part about Garter riding the ATV through the crowds is that, like, you're right, Michael. He's he's like careless about everyone's lives. But the minute like there's directly two people in front of him, he's like, ah, I got to stop. Stop! Gotta yeah. use a kite. <laughs> I I would also like to bring us back to a point here where uh, Morgan just said that he would want to be uh, friends with with Stephanie. Um, would you really? <laughs> sure. She seems of of almost any of the characters on Baywatch. She does seem like the person who would be most able to like just have a casual conversation and chill. Mm, what about Mitch? I don't know. I feel like he's too high strung a lot of the time. Really? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's definitely not. It's definitely not summer because summer. Oh, no. God, no, it's it's Matt would be like, yeah, you're reading the paper. That's cool. You know that <laughs> CJ, maybe, but like maybe I don't, I, I don't know. Actually, knew me. Possibly. We just don't ever get to see much of him actually. Doing that's that's it. how you know he's great at this. Oh, right? it's, it's fair. He's fair. he's too good for the show. Uh, and, <laughs> well, that is. And Morgan, you can be friends with Summer just as long as you don't try to be Summer. <laughs> or uh, just as long as you don't try to flirt with her boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm shot just the first episode in like 40 bajillion episodes where the plot point isn't Summer being jealous uh, that a woman yeah. talked to her boyfriend. Yes. Which, hey, great. I'm glad they stopped doing that, especially since uh, spoilers for our recording order. Um, two episodes, two episodes. I don't know. We recently watched an episode, whatever, where. The plot point <laughs> was that uh, Matt has these dreams that a shark is killing him over and over. Yeah. And she says, it's not that you're afraid of sharks. It's that you're afraid of commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Deep. there was a big focus. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about the fact that this is the first one in a while where her being jealous isn't a plot point, but I do appreciate Paul. I would like to know before you got married, uh, what animals were killing you in your dreams? (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, none, I guess I'm the 1% of the population that doesn't have those before marriage. So, uh, wow. Wow. Well, look at you better than us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got a bona fide celebrity. (laughs) Got got a a bona fide cool person. Wow. Oh, look at Mr. Big Shot not getting mauled by platypus in his sleep. That does sound wild and pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But to get back to the episode, uh, 
we Don at some point off screen manages to get a ride along with some of the lifeguards and Mitch is not happy about it. Um, and then him and Stephanie have a conversation about how silly it would be to make a TV show about lifeguards. Who would ever watch that? Mitch um, says, I would never want to be on TV. hundred percent. Absolutely not. Even though mm-hmm. a plot of a prior episode was that Mitch was cast in a movie. Yes. Well, to be fair, movies are not. This is true. He knows his stuff. Okay, fine. (laughs) Sheesh. Baywatch defenders over here. I mean, and arguably, especially at the time, movies were very much not. Good point. Uh, Actually, Um, great point. In 94, they weren't the same. Yeah, we, there was not the, you know, wave of prestige television we've got. Whoa, are you telling me Baywatch uh, wasn't prestige television? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like this, then Carnival. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the name of your new fan club is Baywatch Prestige. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, yeah, I like I that. like it. That'll be our Patreon one day. <laughs> yeah. Or if we ever open up a nightclub. Well, you know, Morgan, that's the plot to Baywatch Nights. <laughs> is they open a nightclub? No, it's that they operate out of a nightclub. Ah. The the the, wow. the nightclub is called Nights, which is why it's Baywatch Nights. It's ah. not even not even supposed to be Baywatch. Uh, David Hasselhoff was like, I want it called Santa Monica Nights. And they were like, uh, no, you have to be Baywatch. He was like, do I? And they're like, yeah. And it has to be Mitch Buchanan. And he has to work as a lifeguard in the day and a detective at night, but all of your cases are in the morning. (laughs) God, I'm so excited to watch that show. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Yes. Um, But he, uh, Don is along on some of these ride-alongs, and he's just kind of interviewing a bunch of lifeguards, but especially he's interviewing Matt and Summer, And he keeps getting them to say provocative things and then telling the other one what the other one said, because apparently, even though they're dating, Matt and Summer never talk to each other. Um, And I don't understand this. I want to jump back a little bit because Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I mean, the reasoning for this is that incredibly interesting conversation of when uh, sorry, the woman's name who dated. Stephanie. David Ho- Stephanie. Stephanie. She where she's like he's like, Ooh, tell me your story. Hits record, you know? And then she just basically right. is like, Ugh, we went through a breakup and it was dramatic. And then he's like, mm. Oh, I love drama. And it's like, What <laughs> yes. what drama just happened? <laughs> she just said it was dramatic. And then before, yeah. and then right after that there's that bit where he's uh or before where he's fantasizing about being a lifeguard. Yeah, that was I, mean, I was because I got confused. I was like, OK, there's a montage of him checking out girls on the beach. And I was like, why is he checking out the well, guy well, lifeguard? The, <laughs> the montage like, is later. The montage isn't a, it's in a well, actually, no, it's not. Yeah, it's it's right now. Uh, but it's funny because, yeah. again, the first role Jeff Altman played in the show was a guy who wants to be a lifeguard. Oh, he's seen it yes. through. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's basically this montage starts off with him just perving on a bunch of women, which, to be clear, is what his previous role on the show was. Uh, And then it's him fantasizing about what being a lifeguard would be like, which was the other part of his first role on this show. Um, 
So I guess this is just the like revenge episode for Jeff Altman, <laughs> where he shows all of us that he should have been a series regular or something. No. He should not have. No, been. please. God, don't It'd be like Guido um, over again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, t- tell us, um, tell me a little mm-hmm. bit more about what happens in this montage before we talk about the music. Oh, I genuinely don't remember. Oh, Paul, do you remember the wait the uh, wait him ogling the musical the women montage. montage? Yeah. Do you remember? I, I I don't I didn't write any notes about what happens. Wait, okay, so yeah, no, that was uh, I only wrote notes about how he like idolized like he like he's staring at women and then it cuts to him like staring at the the male lifeguard and then. He he is then the lifeguard and he's like carrying the woman and like saving her, which I thought was kind of weird because it's like he's fantasizing about like th- this isn't even a part of the TV show. Like he doesn't even get to be the lifeguard. Like it just felt so like yeah. it felt like it belonged to the other episode and they just had extra footage and like put it in. Yeah. The other thing about this montage is it is extremely clear that they put a camera in front of Jeff Altman and said react. Yes. Just give us every single reaction. It's neck up and we will cut footage based on the reactions we get from you. Now, um, let's talk about the music a little bit. In the original, Mm -hmm. we get this song Lie to Me by Paul Nornan. I really like this song. Um, Yeah, it was good. uh, Paul, uh, take a listen to 30 seconds or so of this. Okay, this is nice. Yeah, it it has this very... um, like 90 early 90s kind of british feel to it that i like yeah. uh he's paul norton's from australia he never achieved much success I tried to get more information on his charting but oddly the aria charts which is the uh, australian recording industry association don't actually have past charting information they only do like top 50 singles of this year stuff like that huh and the only other data you can find is on random blog spots. Uh, and there's hmm. one that was would tell me new debuts on the charts, but not tell hmm. me like what the rest of the the positions were. So I couldn't find sure. any, of that, any of that information, uh, unfortunately. Now, Paul and I get Everything I See by Kelly James. Uh, I thought this was a new guy. It's not. Um, he did a very important song on this show. He did this oh, no. song where Danny Trejo's son uh, did water sports. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, water sports. I do not enjoy this song. Uh, it's lame reggae. I also don't like much reggae. Uh, quick, though, montage note. Actually, I did write one thing. There's a part in this montage where two lifeguards put up their cans to signal to, e- to each other. That's just Shawnee and Eddie. There's a lot of Eddie footage that they just recycled for this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like there's a scene of a lifeguard running. That's Eddie. Huh. Yeah. They're wow. just like, fuck it. We don't got any any lifeguard footage on this show about lifeguards. <laughs> yeah. Um, we never shot a single b no in the entire filming of this. We show. still got to use the footage from 89. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Paul, I do have the lyrics to the song here. Uh like it to either sing, read, um, I don't know, uh, slam poetry, uh, theater manifesto, whatever you want to this. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Everything I see makes my heart beat. I'm falling deep. Everything I see makes my heart beat. I'm falling deep. I'm in a lucid state of mind watching everything below. 
You see me walking on the streets. On my face, there's a glow. Start my morning with a coffee. She's in green little hottie. Ooh. Brown hair, smoky body. I just smile. You can't stop me. Ooh. Ugh. I'm at the beach, the morning fog. Fell in love with Lululemon walking her dog. In line at the corner store. Knew it would last forever when she walked in the door. And then the chorus just repeats again. Yeah, those are some pretty bad lyrics. Yeah, they're not great. No. So, uh, and all of this done to like a reggae beat, like like Jason Mrazy ad- adjacent reggae beat. It's not good. Oh. No, it doesn't sound like Yeah, it wasn't nope. great. Nope. It's honestly maybe the worst part of the episode. Wow. Um, but speaking of the episode, um, we now uh, go on to have Don after this montage uh, just kind of explains why it is that Baywatch has good ratings um, because they like care about people and it's more than just women in bikinis. And then Stephanie explains her whole backstory and Don is very excited about it. Why this. would you do this? This is. <laughs> yeah. Like she literally prefaces it with. I probably shouldn't tell you this. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it's in Stephanie's character to a want to be famous to uh, want to tell everybody about her dating life. Yeah, no, she's normally a fairly like private and reserved person on the show. Yes. Uh, now, CJ, on the other hand, would be very open to just be like, who cares? It's my dating life. Like, I'm not currently doing anymore. I have nothing to be ashamed of. Stephanie right. is very, very private um, mm-hmm. it, it, to the point where she lies to little children about h- how big her family is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't get why she did this. Um, but, Paul, uh, you you hear this story and you're like, wow, that's a lot. Did it sound convoluted to you? It did uh it was a Could little convoluted from memory do your best to try and describe it oh <laughs> no is also an okay <laughs> answer i think the worst part is that like i didn't even like i wrote notes on stuff that i thought was funnier like kind of interesting and i have nothing on that yeah that's fair yeah it's not that interesting it goes on for a long time too yes like the the basic the mm-hmm. basic point is they dated like you know right. and there's and then they break right up. and there's drama in the middle that he's like oh wow well you know that sounds very much like someone on a TV show wrote that which huh I wonder why mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like I love drama I believe, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but then after all of this uh we uh. Don and Mitch have a conversation where Don tells Mitch that they don't do pilots for TV shows anymore. They just shoot little 10 minute promos. And Mitch can't believe that a TV show would ever get picked up based on a 10 minute promo. Um, And also, there is not a chance in hell that Mitch is willing to star in this show, no matter how much Don begs him. Wow. So all of this is uh, exactly what happened to Baywatch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But after that, uh, actually, what's the oddly important part of it? They, They try to say that this part is important, but it's not. 
Do you remember the line Mitch says at the end? No. Paul, do you remember? I don't think so. He says, I don't know what it's like in Hollywood, but in my world, trust has got to be earned. Oh, yeah. And he writes mm-hmm. it down. He's like, oh, that's a good line. Yeah, like as I'm, if this team yeah. producers never earned someone's trust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the part where I was like, OK, either this is doing a really good job of making him sleazy or he's dumb. Could be both. Yeah. Could honestly. Be both. Yeah. But then after that, um, Matt and Summer are you know, have found out about everything that's going on, and then they find out they've already been cast by other actors, and then they just complain for a while about network deals, which is the most fucking inside baseball that I've ever seen almost any show get, and it's wild for Baywatch to be the one to do that. So, specifically, they say that uh, Matt's like, my guy, isn't he that muscle bound guy? And Don says, yeah, but he's kind kind of sensitive. And did I mention that he is a network deal? And Summer says, well, what's mm-hmm. what's she like? And Don says, cute, perky, athletic, big network deal. Um, and they go mm-hmm. network deals. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was baffled. I was absolutely baffled. Like, well, you can't be tearing down this many walls. You're at the fifth wall now, like the secret, the secret <laughs> producer wall. You can't touch that. It it honestly, at this point, felt a little bit like a community episode to me, which is high praise for fucking <laughs> Baywatch. Maybe maybe Dan Harmon watched this episode of Baywatch and was inspired to write community. Maybe it's. Honestly, at this point, anything feels possible. My entire worldview is shattered by this episode. <laughs> Paul, uh, you know, obviously, you have you only this is your second episode of Baywatch you ever watch. Uh, did this feel weird, even as a TV show, for you? I think it was fun because I liked the premise, but I don't know if I liked how it didn't do anything super interesting. Like, I feel like <laughs> when you bring up like when you bring up community and community does these really good episodes of like homages to other shows where it's like, oh, there's like a mash episode and like the mash episode does right. some really cool like dialogue and conversation actually about mash and like the format and the show and like the enlightenment and stuff like that. Like I found those really cool because it was really cool, like self-reflection done outside of mash. Mm-hmm. But in Baywatch, it was like it had this opportunity to be a little more self-critical and instead it just like triples down on yes. everything. <laughs> That's because nobody likes Baywatch more than Baywatch. That is true. And to be very clear here, I am not saying Baywatch is on the same level of quality as community. <laughs> what? Come on. What about the what about the gas leak season? Well, all right. Uh, you know what? Actually, I still liked a few episodes in that season. Yeah, and I liked a few episodes of Baywatch. <laughs> Fair? Fair? Um, but yes, everything else in the community is way better than Baywatch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this, uh, we cut over to Stephanie back at the headquarters, and her and Garner are talking about how she's going to audition. And Garner's like, well, then why aren't you over there auditioning? And she's like, the producer just wants to show the casting directors all the other possibles first so that they realize none of them will be as good as me. And then Garner's like, well, then why are all of them blonde? And Stephanie is like, "Uh oh, this blew my mind. Uh, this this is this bad. broke me. Honestly, 
I was like, yeah, Baywatch, why are all of them blonde? Tell me. And I, I didn't expect her to have an answer. And it was, I guess so I'll really stand out. And I was like, fuck, that's like the best answer you could give. But also, it's so wrong. I, yes. I, I can't believe they actually wrote this in. What's oh, And so what's really funny, though, is they make the right commentary about the guys because they're like, oh, he's just like a gorilla. But then they never do it about the women. Yeah. Which is like because it's like and that's where they had that moment of greatness. So like, man, if they just did more of the guy stuff, like even that would be better. But they well, no, they they I mean, they do at this moment and then they have they do it in the shittiest way possible, which is by make fun of one of your existing cast members, a.k.a. Pam Anderson. Yeah, like oh yeah, there was yeah a lot of shit thrown her way this episode, which did it did. Um, If they didn't have that, that might this might make this the perfect episode of television. Yeah, Um, but it's at this point that Don shows up and Stephanie's like, "Hey, why are all of them blonde?" And he's like, "Ah, don't worry, we'll just dye your hair blonde." (laughs) Um, Which and he's like, "Don't worry, Garner, I found the perfect replacement for you." Yeah. Uh, which, um, b- before we get to that really quickly, uh, uh, Alexander Paul talked about in interviews how there were people on the production who did come to her and be like, you should get a boob job. And she said, mm-hmm. uh, no. And she still stayed with the show and she lasted like like four or five seasons. So, you know, hey, props to her. That's almost like Pam Anderson length on the show. Yeah. Um, but. Absolutely, it feels more awkward when you're like, yeah, the things are basically telling this actress she should do. We're going to write that into the episode. Right. Yeah, we're going to try and critique, like, all the women having to look the same. But also, we're absolutely doing that to the women behind the scenes. This is like a form of of, of literature that they couldn't even possibly begin to fathom teaching in college. You know, this is like yeah, post postmodernism. Yeah, you know, like I should go to a college class and be like, "Hey, I know you're you're reading, uh, fuck it, Antigone. I don't know. Uh, You're reading uh, the Joy Luck Club. Uh, You're reading Greek tragedies. Nah, fuck that shit. I got Baywatch season four, episode eighteen, Rescue (laughs) Bay." Um, oh, but also we, we now learn. Also, oh, yeah, go ahead. Garner thinks that Don has cast Wesley Snipes to play him. Oh, yeah, that was and great. Yes. Stephanie says she thinks it's Sherman Hemsley. And I don't like that. I don't know who Sherman Hemsley is. Google it quickly and you'll recognize him. OK. Do, 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 do. Sherman Hemsley. Uh, he does not look familiar to me. Paul, does he look familiar to you? Yeah. Uh, I think I might know where you remember him from, Paul. Do you remember that, uh, show, that Disney movie where the, everyone was, the family was superheroes? Up, up, and away? Yes. He played the steel condor, the grandfather. I'm trying to figure out where else I've seen him in, and I'm looking at all the dinosaurs. Stuff that's not, but he's not a human in dinosaurs. So I wouldn't have recognized him. <laughs> oh, he was in- Fresh Prince. I watched a lot of Fresh Prince, and it looked like he was on an episode or two of that. There you go. He was also on Pink Lady as himself. What do oh. you know? 
God. Ah. Oh. There you go. There you go. Everybody loves Pink Lady. It's the greatest show of all time. Uh, he's mostly famous for All in the Family, the show that at the beginning of the episode they make fun of by saying that ABC passed on All in the Family. So why the fuck do they know? <laughs> there you go. The show is so self-referential, but in the most boring ways. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, we get to see all the hopeful actresses do their best Baywatch run. Um, and it's it's just an excuse for us to stare at women in swimsuits for a while. Um, yeah. Then, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It's a montage, right? That's true. Well, That's we got to talk about the montage uh, music, of course. We absolutely do. So uh, in the original... You have a song I really, really like. Um, it's called Art of Living by Boomers YYZ, or also known as The hmm. Boomers. Um, Paul, listen to 30 seconds of this. Actually, skip forward like a minute and then listen to 30 seconds of it. Oh, some funky lines on this. It, it kind of sounds like a weird David Byrne song. It does. I hear that. Yeah, I spent a while trying to find this song when I was listening or when I was watching the episode because I liked it. I thought it was good. Well, I'll, you want to know the trick, Morgan? Mm-hmm. Do you do you ever use Spotify, Morgan? I do quite a well, bit. Uh, boy, howdy. Do I have a gift for you, Morgan? Here is the Baywatch yeah. original television soundtrack seasons one through nine playlist. Oh, shit. Uh all right. I use that in tunefind.com to and then some like mm. context clues to kind of guess what the songs are. Uh so it's track nice. 123 uh in this playlist. Um huh. but yeah, anyways, so this song it sounds quintessentially Baywatch, but like in the yeah. best way possible. It's great. I really enjoyed it. Um uh, I tried to look up how successful the song was. And realized I had a very daunting task ahead of me. Um, so, of course, I did it anyways. Um, I'd have to look through all the issues of the Canadian RPM magazine uh, to try and find <laughs> its charting. Um, and uh, that isn't, like, easily findable. Basically, I had to... I Fair. found a site that has every single issue of the magazine viewable in PDF form um, from the <laughs> 70s up through the mid-2000s. Um, and don't worry, I didn't go through every single one. Uh, that would be wild. Work smart, mm-hmm. not hard. Um, but I still worked hard, um, because I couldn't figure out at first when this song was released. So I had to go some very deep digging and then I eventually found it. So <laughs> once I found that out, I then had to look at the charts in the magazine for the first time this song made the top 100. And the magazine is cool. They have articles, suggestions, charts, whatever. Um, but thus, uh, I have for you a gift now. This is uh, their chart for the top 100 songs from October 2nd, 1993. Uh, now, I understand this picture is a little small. Uh, but if you can zoom in on it, you can see number one was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Number two was River of Dreams by Billy Joel. And number three was Janet was If by Janet Jackson. It's um, a good top three. Yeah. Um, now, for this band, they had another single that was 
in the charts for a long, long time. Um, I kept on getting confused because I'm like, I keep searching uh, the boomers and it's not the song, um, mm. which made this search take two hours. Um, Damn. Yeah. Uh, wow. This was a part- not as long as me looking through issues of Playboy to find an interview with Yasser Arafat, but, but pretty <laughs> long. Now, um, in the remaster, we get a song that is way too long called I Want to Be Just Like You, not from the Jungle Book. Uh, it's by David Feldstein. <laughs> Paul, look at this monster. Whoa. Oh, oh, boy. Yeah, take us through it. Yeah. Maybe it's the way you move that keeps me up at night, because, baby, you're the dream. I want to be just like, maybe I can get it right. Just got to check out the view. Hey, I want to be just like you. Yeah. You make it look so good. I can hardly believe it's true. You do it with your own style. I want to be just like you. And it goes on and on. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's nothing. I was hoping for another, like maybe a significant verse that sounded a little better, but they're all just like, gotta gotta go the extra mile. Do a look, do it with a little style. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's describing pure love. Badly, yeah. though. Very badly. It's so generic. Mm-hmm. One of the most generic songs we've had. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, um, it's trash. And this this scene goes on for, like... So long. It's really long. Um, it's... I, I don't even remember what it was other than feeling pained by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's not good. Um, but after this, uh, oh boy, boy, oh boy, <laughs> we get to meet uh, Sly, who is the actor who will be replacing Garner. And uh, Baywatch didn't feel like uh, hiring another black actor, uh, so it is just uh, Garner again. It's just uh, Gregory Allen Williams. Again. Yes, Gregory Allen Williams. I could not remember his name, even though it is written there in my notes um, on the next line. Um, and Gregory Allen Williams is doing his best stereotypical black character from the 90s impression, and it is rough. It's rough, and it's wild. It's This scene is just... This could not happen. Literally could not happen in any show but a 90s show. Mm -hmm. It is... mm -hmm. I was going to say, but it was also pretty... I mean, it was interesting that they had him playing himself right so it was almost like this comedic portrayal of what he could be but they at least have some decency with this show and are not portraying him that way right what he could be if he lived up to his potential (laughs) (laughs) everything you could be you could be in like a a weird airport rug shirt you know making fun of laughs it's it's so weird. Like I had to take a video of it and show it to some friends, and they were like, "I've never seen Baywatch, but this is exactly what I assumed Baywatch was kind of like." And it's like, yeah, like mm-hmm. th- this this scene makes no fucking sense. It's um, amazing. No, your airport carpet though, Michael. Um, 
to go to some significance on that, the actual the the Portland Airport carpet is a widely sought after fashion piece. Is this uh, correct? It, there's there's bicycling shirts on it, and actually, uh, a basketball player had one of their shoes colored after it. Uh, Damian Lillard had oh. a PDX carpet colorway of one of his signature shoes. Honest, that is a very good pattern. It is. I kind of want that. <laughs> yeah. You can buy some socks. We'll all get PDX carpet socks. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That's better than like a blood oath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably stinkier too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't they have like a, a whole big deal when uh, they had to wash the carpets and everyone got really worried that they were going to ruin them? Yeah. The Portland airport carpet is like, sacred territory it's yeah yeah exactly. yeah it's, it's um i was gonna say it's art no yeah it absolutely oh, is art unlike the garner scene which um yeah. boy howdy woof a doof I, w- I wonder how he felt doing that scene yeah <laughs> i don't know i'm always so curious with stuff like that like you should ask him on cameo <laughs> hey, uh, could you promote our, our podcast? Also, how would you feel playing Sly Hutchinson? <laughs> I would I would bet money he doesn't even remember that he did that. The how therapy would, blocked that out. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. I hope he remembers yeah. it. Yeah, I, I will never forget it. No. Unfortunately, neither will I. (laughs) Um, But after this, uh, Don and Stephanie have a brief scene where he tells her that she should feel good about her chances of being cast. But that's not going to last for long, because who should show up? It's CJ, back from Hawaii. She drove all the way here, and boy, are her feet tired. Um... But she sees all the victims auditioning by flailing around in the water, looking like they're drowning. And so she thinks that it's a bunch of people drowning. So she goes to rescue them. And everyone is starstruck by her. And they just can't believe that she wasn't one of the people auditioning. Yeah, I mean, it's it serves the point. Uh, ironically, yeah, is this, this episode's messed up and it's morality. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. That's why I like it. Um, I, yeah. No, I, I again, mm-hmm. it was fun. Yeah, it is. I also like that the show is too dumb to understand how to write itself. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, writing itself, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about our next scene here, but I'd Please. like us to do some majorly extended Baywatch theater. I have the next few scenes mapped out here. I have all the lines. Um, So we're going to do a few scenes here because I feel like it's more fun to actually hear the lines than it is to talk about it. So uh, I'm going to be Mitch for a future scene here, but I'm going to need you two to decide who wants to be CJ and who wants to be Stephanie. I I do not have a preference. If you have one, Paul, feel free. I, I will take Stephanie. Okay, so uh, for this next scene, we're going to set set the context here. CJ Mm -hmm. and Stephanie are working out and there is some sexy music. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, go. Stephanie. CJ, welcome home. How was Hawaii? Oh, God, the lifeguard exchange was great. But I can't believe they're filming a TV sh- TV series pilot here on the beat. I know. Can you believe it? And the characters are based on us. I heard. You know, when I was a little girl, I worshipped Catherine Hepburn and Sophia Loren. I mean, they were so strong and so beautiful. I can't believe I may actually get the chance to become an actress like, like they were. Woo, you're working out pretty hard there. I gotta firm up. Right now? You haven't even changed. Well, I got cast in the show. You got cast? Yeah, as a lifeguard named Sheila. My script's in the bag. Sheila and Mike Tower embrace in front of the fireplace... CJ, this is me. It's Mitch and me. I'm Sheila. Well, Steph, I'm sorry. They, the casting directors, saw me make a rescue and said I was perfect for the part. How can you be a more perfect to play me than I am to play me? I'm a more perfect me than you are. Um, well, the character's really only based on you. It's obvious that they cast you because you're blonde and built the way you are. That has nothing to do with it. I mean, this is so typical. It just so happens that I can act. I played Medea in high school. Oh, yeah? Well, I played Medea in college. Look, I don't want to fight about this. Well, what do you suggest that we do? So our next scene here is they decide to go see Mitch. And Mitch is upset that the script is based off of real-life him because Stephanie Mm -hmm. told Don about all of their relationship. So, yes, now we set the scene uh, where CJ and Mitch are going to go over the script and see who acts it out better. All right? Mm -hmm. You ready, Morgan? Absolutely. All right. Okay. So, Mike, did I catch you on the rebound? No, Sheila. You stole me at half court. Oh, so what do we do now? Well, how about a little game of one-on-one in Catalina? How about a practice game right now? (laughs) 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 Convincing enough? Yeah, that was... That was really good. So then, so so then Stephanie's like, okay, okay, my turn. Mm-hmm. So they basically are going to do the same scene here. Um, Paul, mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to act this part out with me. All right. So what do we do now? How about a little game of one-on-one Catalina? How about a practice game right now? <laughs> and then CJ's like, I've had enough. And, she, uh-huh. and and so Mitch's whole point in this scene is just to make out with women um, and then say, well, you're both good. And uh, Steph, if anyone but you is the best you, it's CJ because she likes you. And Steph goes, yeah. huh, okay, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and then then they both leave, and then the most important moment of the scene that I don't know if either of you yeah. caught uh, is, is that Mitch rubs his finger all over his lips and then puts it in his mouth. What? Which is 
fucking weird. I didn't, I didn't I notice that. that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> it is super fucking weird. I kind of like that. It, it fits Mitch because he's just such a fucking weirdo that, like, I'm okay yeah. with it. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> he just, like, rubs his finger across his lips and just, like, licks his finger a little bit. I was like, are you just, like, tasting their lipstick? <laughs> but why get the finger involved? What are, what Whoa, are you doing? Morgan, you never need to ask, why get the finger involved, okay? <laughs> That's just a given. That's just a given. That's fair. Which, please don't. I, you know what? Maybe that will be the episode title. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you were going to mention um, the greatest scene in cinema happens next. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a good one, because Don has finally found the actor to play Mitch and he brings him out and he looks like Fabio, sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And his name is Dolph Oppelganger, <laughs> which is the fucking best. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Even hearing it just makes me laugh. It's so good. So good. I legitimately had to rewind the episode when they introduced him because there was absolutely no way that they actually named this character <laughs> Dolph Oppelkang. <laughs> Baywatch is genius. Look, it, I don't yeah. care what happened the rest of the episode. This is a 10 out of 10 just for this part. Just mm-hmm. for this part. Actually, the next scene also has a great moment. But yeah, so he 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 he's like 18 feet tall and he just does a I'll be back. And Mitch is yeah. super confused. He goes, I'll be back. What? <laughs> um, now, the next scene also has a great moment where Nicole Eggert, famous white mm-hmm. person, says that the mm-hmm. actor playing her is white as a ghost. Now, also remember mm-hmm. Two or three or four episodes ago, uh, a ghost went down on her. Yes. (laughs) Please explain. Well, luckily, I just finished editing that episode, uh, so it is fresh in my brain. Um, They go to the Hotel Coronado del Sol, which was haunted by a ghost of two lovers from back when everything was (laughs) sepia-toned. And at one point, uh, Stephanie or sorry, Summer is laying on a pool chair next to Matt and starts just like squirming and moaning and wriggling. um, And then is kind of like, oh, Matt, stop it. But we see that Matt has just been laying on his chair the entire time. And and then we realize that a ghost was going down. No, that's 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 Um, the part where the ghost is kissing her. Then she's right. in her Oh, it's later. Then she's yeah. in her room and she's just a negligee and then it mm-hmm. just pans up and she starts basically orgasming. Uh it's it's the ghost blowjob scene from Ghostbusters. Yes. Oh, but no. they do it twice in this it's a yes. two parter. And the second part, she goes, Ah, oh, you can't do this again and then it happens again. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the mm-hmm. episode um, she says, I'll never forget him. <laughs> yep. So uh, on Baywatch, let's just go over really quickly. OK, on Baywatch, <laughs> what it exists, what it's canon is aliens. Right. Yep. Uh, they yep. abduct people. Um, mm-hmm. Ghosts. Ghosts that have kissy lips. 
uh, and mm-hmm. can also go down on you, um, as well as yeah. Dolph Oppelganger. <laughs> Greatest male hero the world has ever seen. Honestly, God. I find it harder to believe Dolph Oppelganger exists than, <laughs> yes, host with kissy, <laughs> kissy lips. We've also got Manny the Pelican Man. We mustn't forget about Manny the Pelican Man. Manny the Pelican Man, the circus freak who uh, just carves pelicans. Um, yep, that, yep. There's This show is fucking wild. Let's just... Yeah. Danny Trejo is like three or four different people. Uh, that yep. part's also just bizarre. Brian Cranston exists. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, also there's a partially blind cowboy lifeguard. Um that part's weird yes um you know look let's get back to the point here garner (laughs) sees the fake garner who looks like Mm -hmm. him and sly says that if he played garner like garner nobody would watch this show ha ha jokes Mm -hmm. on him everybody watched this show so then garner gets hit on by a model who makes out with him but it's the real garner not Sly, and so Sly... Yeah, this scene made me uncomfortable. I did not like that part. (laughs) Sly sees this, comes out to him, and tries to punch Garner. Garner Mm -hmm. grabs his fist, basically crushes it, and says, I can play you better than you can play me. And, uh... Yeah. uh, I believe his line is, I'm not one of your stuntmen. Which is just very good. Isn't yeah, it? that was great. Uh, I mean, it's good in that it's so. Yeah. Dumb. Okay. Yes. Yes. It. It's. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. You know what? Fine. Fuck it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Garner just wins the fight so easily. Um. But then it's time for the filming to start. And Statler and Waldorf, I mean, Matt and Summer, <laughs> who have just spent the entire episode standing on the sidelines complaining about things, um, feel that it's just too inaccurate the way that they're filming this show that isn't Baywatch. Um, and then they film a bunch of different stunts. And Mitch is like, none of those could have ever happened. And absolutely every single one of those stunts has happened in a previous episode of Baywatch. It, I was going to say, it just uh, happened literally the... the previous day <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, speaking of which um this is a montage and i don't know what the song was in the original but we have this song yeah. here um this is playing around by my favorite of the baywatch original songwriter sean McHugh. paul could you could you read this sing this i don't know do something there is a road to feeling fine. We're playing a role for wandering eyes. Look around at the scenery. What do you see? There is a ghost in your mind. Again. <laughs> you want it the most. Whoa! Your dime. Whoa! What? And then it's just look around. What do you see? I'm not playing. Repeating. Whoa! Okay. What's okay. This okay. Ghost okay. Bit? So, yeah. Okay. So, I know the song about wanting to fuck your brother was really bad. But this yeah. song, pushing the canon that you want a ghost to fuck you, is wild. Yeah. I, I'm i also enjoying the fact that this song is terrible. Yes. Um, 
But they did do a weird ABAB rhyming scheme here of there is a ghost in your mind. You want it the most when it's on your dime. Like, it's a little bit of a slant rhyme, but it just feels like it feels like they came up with those two lines and they were like, perfect, ship it. We don't need to write the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that maybe he hadn't watched the ghost fucking episode. It was just like, you know what I think this show needs? <laughs> Ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, God. important question, mm-hmm. uh, mostly for Paul. Paul, sure. who is the scariest Scooby-Doo villain? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. I oh well, I mean, if we're in counting the movies, it's the zombies. Um, from uh, the 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 Terror Island is that the one? No, from, from Zombie Island. Zombie Island. Zombies are real, right? Right. Okay, that's pretty scary. Um, I and there's I also have... a cat lady, which is really weird, but that's it's... also scary. There's also <laughs> that, the, the the like a bottle snowman guy who appears outside of a window, like. Like the way he's introduced is they hear a knocking on a window window and they're like, what is that? And, and then they're like, the guy disappears. Uh, that's pretty scary. Uh, Morgan, how about you? Uh, I'm going to argue that the scariest villain in Scooby-Doo is the people who originally created Scooby-Doo. Cause I fucking, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> wow. I don't hate it that much, but it was my least favorite as a kid. I would get mad because I could always figure out the ending so oh, early in the You episode. so smart over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Morgan Thrapp, and I can write TV better than they can. <laughs> I should watch Baywatch. <laughs> I'm just saying, I used to read a lot of Encyclopedia Brown as a child, <sighs> and those mysteries are absolute bullshit nonsense. Yes. And once you read enough of them, you understand the like rules of a mystery at least a little bit. Which it often felt like the showrunners did. So I have an, a traumatic Encyclopedia Brown story. Um, oh. But first, I want to mention my favorite villain of Scooby Doo, which mm-hmm. is Tim Curry needing a paycheck. Um, <laughs> now, my traumatic Encyclopedia Brown story is that when I was in third grade, um, each or different groups of kids, and my this was private school. There was like fourteen kids. Each group was given a different set of detective novels to read. And nobody else could could read them. Otherwise, they would get their grade lowered. So it was Encyclopedia Brown. Uh, Cam, uh, was it Camera Jam? The woman who like says click and she has a photographic memory. And then. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I forgot. And then that. Hank the cow dog. Um, yeah. So mine was Encyclopedia Brown. So what we had to do is we had to read a mystery, you know, and then not, you know, know the ending. And then we would talk about it in class and then we reveal what the ending was i was took it to some house uh, on the sabbath because like i got nothing to do i'll just read and everyone else was like i want to read these so we read them out loud and looked at the endings and we're like oh that's what the endings are okay and so i made the mistake of telling my teacher who grabbed the book out of my hand and physically ripped out the endings to all the stories in the book and then said, what now the you're fuck? never going to know how they end. This is what you what? get for defying what? my rules. Jeez. Yeah, she was horrible. Oh uh, so, so then she was like, now you're not going to get to read any detective novels. And my response as the person who is me was, well, I could already figure out all of them anyways. It's the answer is <laughs> who cares? 
Because <laughs> like it's never it's always, as you said, some dumb bullshit. It's always like watching a detective TV show where it's like, well, the actual villain got introduced in the last two minutes. And uh, mm-hmm. you couldn't have guessed that before because they never introduced the character. The the bullshit I always remember, one of the mysteries in particular in Encyclopedia Brown was solved because um, this there was some crime. I forget what. But the guy who was the prime suspect had an alibi. He said he was in another town and he had just driven back from that other town Um And that all seemed to check out, except that at the end of the book, it was revealed that he had put his daughter on the hood of the car shortly after he supposedly got back. And he wouldn't have been able to do that if he had just driven back because the hood would have been too warm and it would have burned her. And I was like, that's stupid (laughs) shit. Like what what like six year old is going to figure that out? Like, come on. A six-year-old who traumatically has been put onto the hood of the car and burned their butt off. Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. He has the brain of Encyclopedia and the buttocks of, I don't know what. <laughs> the buttocks of warm toast. Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. Well, on the plus side, you've found another good episode title, so we'll at least have some more. Warm options. Toast Brown. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, yeah, this whole scene also now includes uh, the the part we talked about earlier where Sly as Garner is doing action moves, which they again Mm use for the pitch palette made for Baywatch Nights. Uh, And Mitch comments on all of this and is like, this is a joke. And they then do an explosion that is too large and stuff starts Mm -hmm. falling on the actors. So the real lifeguards Mm -hmm. have to do a save. And so he keeps the cameras mm-hmm. rolling. Yes. And and then they rescue them and make it back to the beach. And Mitch is like, Don, what the fuck? Get off the beach. You kept rolling during this. You didn't care about your actor's safety. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just here to make television. He also s- and Mitch is like, get good. Get he also says something else. He says, don't exploit lifeguards. Yes. Which I'm like, yeah. hey, Baywatch. Hey, Baywatch, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? <laughs> what you what you doing? Bud? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then it is time for our final scene, except for our little stinger, um, which is that Mitch has gotten the tape of all the filming. Somehow they bothered to transfer all of it to a VHS, whatever. Um and Garner shows up and now he's dating the model that he was making out with earlier. I I thought it was Sly's girlfriend, but maybe it, it's just some. No, it's model. Sly's girlfriend. Yeah. So that's weird. Um, yes. And and I. OK, whatever. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you're done. You're done with it. I I just I can't think about that. <laughs> um. But then we get to see some of uh, Rescue Bay, and it is just the intro to Baywatch with slightly different actors. It's the same graphics package. Like, (laughs) um, but we learn that the network passed because no one would ever be interested in seeing a show about lifeguards. And then we fade to black and we hear some off uh, camera 
dialogue, which is that, don't worry, it'll be okay, we'll sell it to foreign countries, and then it'll get picked up for syndication. And one of them says, what's syndication? And then someone else says, oh, you know, like that show Knight Rider. Um, and then, then we cut to a very 60s or like 50s television shot of just a circle around Don's face, and he goes... I can't believe someone made that show before I did. Um, and that's the end of the episode. It was very Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. I think Looney Tunes is the best reference for that. Yeah, especially because it was like in a circle. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's that's Rescue Bay. Um, before we get into Boy is talking about our reviews, let's let's go over some IMDb reviews. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, first off, we have someone here. There's five reviews. Someone who is surprisingly not our friend, Valerie, um, but did, oh. is called Call Me Valerie, who gives it a 10 out of 10 and says this is why it was number one TV in the world. Um, I don't know if that's grammatically correct can we, can we get our fact checker on that was it in fact the number one tv in not the world? sure uh paul was it number <laughs> one tv in the world i i always thought it would have been like uh sony or something but i guess i'll take this answer <laughs> <laughs> you never know i i have to i have to trust call me valerie here she says four yep. and a half years in the baywatch is a wildly successful tv show and we are treated to an extra special episode of baywatch acknowledging Oh, my fucking Lord. Acknowledging their unique role in society. (laughs) The Baywatch production team hangs 10 with this laugh at ourselves episode. Rescue Bay demonstrates Baywatch's moment in time glory, showcasing that all that is great about Southern California's lifeguard lifestyle. Baywatch legend Jeff Altman appears in a third of his seven Mm. stumbling, bumbling, quirky guy roles. The actors spoofing the real-life Baywatch lifeguards and the other characters makes this episode a real treat. Um, I I do have a question, which is that, um, did this episode write its own review? Because it sure feels... (laughs) Right? Right? Um, Bombers Fly Up again titles their review... Baywatch and gives it a three out of ten and says entirely silly throughout manages to yield a laugh. That's fair. Um, Wild Bill Horn titles their review Hollywood gives it a eight out of ten and says Gregory Allen Williams with a brilliant performance or rather two brilliant performances laughs all around and everything goes wrong for everyone. CJ knows she'll be a better Stephanie than Stephanie because Jeff Altman told her so and she wants the role. Dolph is unforgettable. That's fair. I thought Garner was married. No, he's not. Uh, He broke his wife, divorced him in season one. Uh, Well, he won't be for long when the old lady finds out about Dawn. That's weird. Okay. Uh, Then Matthias uh, says it's a six out of ten. Baywatch cast make fun of themselves. I don't usually recommend people see Baywatch ep- episodes, but this is particularly well worth watching. Um, yada yada. Okay, here's what we're really looking for. It's the Sand Crab review. Um, mm-hmm. He gives it. Morgan, how, how? What do you think he gave? He gave it. Which of the seven two two? The unhinged one. The unhinged one. <laughs> I feel like this has got to be up his alley. I feel like it's got to be at least a seven. Ten out of ten. 
Wow. He, so his episode title, he he took all the C's in this and replaced them with K's and says critical kites. OK, hmm. says shocking app for two reasons. One, it's hilarious. Two, they intended it to be watch and enjoy. <laughs> Which, yeah, you know, that's a fair. good point. It's a good that's point. Very yeah. fair. Now, Paul. On a scale of one to ten. Where one is going through puberty a second time because you got recast. And ten is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad is David Hasselhoff and he's <laughs> the list. Uh, what would you give this episode? I. In the uh, in the realm of Baywatch episodes, and again, my limited experience being two, uh, I liked this episode much more than the last one. So as far as the Baywatch scale goes, I'd probably give it an eight. Wow. Yeah. What would you say the experience of an eight is? In the realm of Baywatch, I would say it is the show gives you lots to laugh at and also knows what that it can laugh at itself, too. But what what life experience would you say is most similar to an eight? Probably getting in, getting getting an onion ring with your fries. Ooh, oh, that's, that's a good one. Awesome. It's not like you know, whoa, this is amazing. But like, hey, you know, this is a nice little surprise. This, yeah. Wow, that's honestly the best answer I've ever heard. And I feel like a nice little surprise is exactly what this episode yeah. is. Uh, speaking of Michael, what is uh, what's your rating? I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I am shocked that I loved an episode. Uh, well, you know, I know we've had seasons this uh, episodes this season. I really enjoyed, um, but uh, I really like this. There were parts of it that brought it down. The sly stuff was. Uh, I'm already scratching my neck about that <laughs> um, a little <laughs> bit, um, but. This is this is dumb genius. And I, I yeah. laughed a ton and I could not stop pausing the episode and talking out loud at my screen going, what? What just happened? <laughs> um, I would actually recommend this episode to other people, especially people who have never seen Baywatch before. I would tell them to watch this episode because I think this is pretty perfect for everything you need to know about Baywatch because it's making fun of Baywatch itself. So you kind of get to know what it, what it is about and what it thinks it's about, which is that it's better than it actually is. So yes, uh, I would say a nine is the experience of all those Jordan Peterson memes that are on Twitter, (laughs) uh, where Jordan Peterson says, uh, up yours, woke moralist. We'll see who cancels who. (laughs) And then they've been editing it into like video game CGI or like video game, uh, uh, cut scenes. Uh, and it's, it's my, one of my favorite, absolute favorite things. Um, but now someone has started a new one. So I don't know if you saw he he has a message to Muslims. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and uh, it's 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 partially the Catholic Church, but it's a message to Muslims. Uh, and he, it's just about them opening up in dialogue. Uh, but there's a part that's getting cut out and memed, which is uh, where he says, and God forbid. 
a Jew. Um, and so everyone's just like cutting that up and me like, go, 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 go. Put this in everything you can. Uh, and I love that he's such a fucking dumb ass piece of shit idiot that we get to make fun of him for eternity. That makes me so fucking happy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck that guy. OK. It's honestly impressive that he's still alive, given just all the, the like eating his yeah well his weird meat eating shit and then wait 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 wait, wait, him and his paul do you know about mm -hmm. the meat eating shit i don't think i do morgan so so jordan peterson for a while him and his daughter were both on an all raw meat diet Um, same which which worked out exactly as well as one would imagine um and then uh, I think his liver yeah. failed or something cool, like that. Cool, cool. So him and his daughter flew him to Russia to go meet with some like weird, sketchy, secret Russian doctors. Um, and then his daughter was like, aha, this is how we know the diet is working and kept doing it. Um so just just a lot of very good decision makers in that family. Oh, yeah. Amazing decision makers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, one I just want to add my favorite. One of my favorites of the, of the clips is uh, mm-hmm. they took we'll see you cancels who and it says me when I'm multiplying fractions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see who cancels who. <laughs> uh, Morgan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of really liked this episode. Um, the thing I I only realized now is that this is the of the last three episodes. Two of them have had major plot points where it's an actor playing two different characters. Ah, um, I will say uh, this one's much better than the last time. Which sucks because the other one was Carrie Ann Moss, who you would expect to be good, um, but she was just given nothing to work with. Um, Whoa! Are you as opposed to this Are you one. telling me that Carrie Ann Moss locking Mitch up in the basement of a trailer, which also doesn't make sense as a sentence, <laughs> is not good? Uh, no, it 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 wasn't. Okay. Wow. Um. <laughs> um but yeah, this one was fun. I liked watching this episode. At no point did I think during this episode, oh no, I wish I weren't watching this episode, which is a pretty common occurrence in most episodes <laughs> of Baywatch that I watch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Michael. I'm giving this a nine. Yeah. I, it was fun. It was good. I liked it. I was worried when I saw Jeff Altman's name in the credits, but you know what? He worked for this role. It was funny. The jokes landed. It it felt like a good mix of being self-aware and not being too just like meta and stupid about it. And yeah, I wish we had more episodes that were this level of quality. Um, And I will say that a nine is uh, just yesterday because today is thursday and time has no meaning um my partner and i went to go see hades town at the paramount um which is a fucking fantastic musical if you get a chance go see it 
Um, and the only reason that it's not a 10 is because the seats at the Paramount, especially up in the mezzanine where we were, um, are fucking tiny yes. and absurdly uncomfortable. And that is a two and a half hour long show. Um, and so both of us were pretty sore at the end of it. But the musical's great. Would still recommend it. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a nine. You, Go see Hades. Yeah, you know, the more is even worse. Yeah, we went and saw Spiritualized at the Moor, right? We did. Uh, yeah, yeah, those seats... That's the only time I've those been Those seats there. are not great. The, the worst time I ever had was I went to see Tim and Eric, um, and they mm-hmm. actually have these seats that are just like... So you have your like upper balcony, right? And they have these seats that are just like, mm-hmm. hey, your head's going to touch the bottom of the cement. So it's... Oh, no. And so it was a 95-degree day. The AC Ugh. was not working at the moor i was in row x uh, oh god and, so you were basically at a sauna I yeah i was in a sauna yeah and um the guy who was working security was like do you need me to get you water and we were like yes please and then he just fucked off and didn't so he went to get us water <laughs> wow. and then halfway through it uh at the like i mean Look, this would be funny any other time except for that time mm-hmm. is Tim and Eric doing a bit where they redo a bit three times. Yeah, they did the the song na 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 sports na 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 na. The third time I was like, I'm fucking done. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got up. I got outside. And I was like, oh, my God, it's only 90 degrees outside. This is the best I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> Yeah, I I had a similar experience recently as well, where I went to go see um, Ani DeFranco with my partner and one of their friends um, at the Neptune. Mm. Uh, And I don't know if the Neptune doesn't have air conditioning or it just wasn't working that night, but it was fucking boiling in there uh, to the point where we we left partway through her set because all three of us were about to pass out from heat exhaustion. Oh, my God. That's that's me at wrestling shows in the summer. Oh, yeah. God, I remember going to some of those at Washington Hall and just feeling like I was going to melt. Yeah, well, that's what happened. I went to one recently and uh, my friend and I brought some some like Japanese fans, which really mm. helped. Uh, but yeah, that's why there's like other shows happening this summer. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to wait till the fall. You know? Yeah, no, that's I don't want to do things that's that are fair. hot. Paul, do you like to do things that are hot? I mean, I like to do water sports when it's warm. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Okay, look, you but, can keep your kicks at home, okay? Not on the podcast. I don't know. That's on brand for the podcast. We talk about water sports. Yeah, we do. That's, that's just, honestly, <laughs> but I'd be called water sports rookie school. but i do love a concert in the summer outside at like t-mobile park or something like i think those larger like larger capacity venues are great for a summer show smaller venue no it all traps the heat yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and and also larger venues are usually more well built and have a lot more going from like they know how to have an ac system and stuff (laughs) so Yeah. yeah uh that's that's about it. But also, I will say I would not recommend anything at White River Amphitheater. So, oh really? I've never been there. Don't ever go. Yeah, I don't ever. Why? Go. You see a show there? Don't do it. Why? It's 
what happens is the venue's fine. It's out in uh, like Auburn, I think, yeah. or somewhere. It's not terribly yeah. far, but what happens is, is you drive and you start to realize the impending doom waiting for you with that. It's like you get off the freeway and it's like 15, 20 minutes on like country roads, like two lane roads. Take me home. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> that's fine. But when everybody's trying to leave at the same time, Oh. It takes you, and they have the cops like routing you a certain way. It takes like an hour to get on the freeway, and then you have like another, and then you have like another hour to get home. Like I remember, I left a show there, and it was like I got home at like, it, it, I did take me like two hours, and I was like, never again. <laughs> yeah, fair. I had one of my old boss one time was like, "Hey, Michael, do you want to go see Steely Dan, the White River Amphitheater? Be ready in five minutes." I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> no." <laughs> And even I just knew like that's going to take like it takes like an hour to get there. That's no. Also, be ready in five minutes. What? <laughs> Who does yeah. that? Also, do you even have my ticket? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> he, he ended up not having tickets. He was going to buy from scalpers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which, hey, some people really want to see Steely Dan. Um, now, sure. next, let's talk about the next episode which is called Mm -hmm. Western Exposure. The Baywatch Wiki describes it as, the Baywatch lifeguards help a country singer, Martina McBride, find, what? Her estranged wife and child. Hobie's new friend Bridget becomes attracted to Mitch. Oh, no. All right. Now, the Uh IMDB description says, Jeremy Jackson, nine. No, it's not Jeremy Jackson. Jackson parentheses nine sends a postcard to his absent father jesse lee harris a touring country singer whom his single mother crystal stooped informing about their own travel oh was that stopped they wrote stoop oh, that informing yeah. about their own <laughs> when jesse arrives in malibu the lifeguards promise to help look for his son wait what okay hobie has an eye on bridget but she only accepts invitations from Mitch to flirt with the father who remains clueless until Hobie and Stephanie point it out. Add a reward Uh-oh. for CJ's help with warding off intemperate fans at the beach and the search for Jackson. Jesse agree. What the fuck is this? Jesse agrees to asses her friends, Sadie Jennings and makes oh. her country aspirations coma. Tr- Oma True as opening act on his tour. Hobie saves Jackson, who falls from a pier, trying to attract Jesse's attention and deals with a What a sentence! Deals with an unworthy vixen in Bridget. Isn't Bridget like nine? Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty wild thing to call a nine-year-old an unworthy vixen now to be clear it's wild to call anyone of any age that but especially a nine-year-old would it be safe for me to call you an unworthy vixen or should i just call you a vixen (laughs) i feel like the unworthy part. i mean listen i'm fine the unworthy part is look yeah okay the vixen part yeah poor taste but the unworthy part come on yeah everyone is worth something well most everyone you know, not 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 this producer <laughs> from this episode. But you know who's especially worthy? It's our friend Paul. Absolutely. <laughs> I was about to make exactly the same sentence. Nice. Great job. <laughs> My brain has been rotten. Mine has turned into yours. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Paul, thank you for for joining us yes. yet again. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much fun to have you. Uh, no, thank thank you all for having me. It's always and, and I I feel like I've gotten lucky with the episodes I've hit on and been a guest for, but this this one was particularly fun. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Last time you got the one where Mitch just recovered from his paralyzed spine and decided to get into kickboxing. Uh, yeah, oh, that was like a great kung, whole kung fu movie. It was terrific, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to plug? If not, that's okay too. Uh, I got nothing to plug, but I will just say that this podcast is such an experience that I hope all who, all who are listening benefit from its. I, can we can we put a poll quote, Paul? This podcast is such an. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I like that. Uh, maybe I no, I do too. That, that we, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna edit the website to say, <laughs> Paul. Yes. <laughs> Cast is such an experience. I was going to put it in our Twitter bio, but oh, that works. works No, that works too. That works too. That works great. Uh, And as we should put that everywhere, we should make a shirt that just says, Oh, this podcast is such such an experience. Not even explain what the podcast is, just have that and nothing else. I feel like that's like what the promotional material is for, like. The Shen Yun musical that always gets oh, that yeah. thing is bogus. That yes. thing is so, you know, my ex went to see it and said it was just so boring and lame because all the backgrounds look like blue screen, so they're all just really, oh. really bad. And then it's some like okay dancing, huh? Yeah, and it, I love how people are reviewing it. They're just like random people. They're like, "Oh, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen." I'm like, ah, "I don't think that's it." So, such yeah. an experience leaves enough up to the mystery of the mind to. <laughs> it's like, look, may, maybe it is the greatest thing you've ever seen, but is it Baywatch season four, episode eighteen, Rescue Bay? I don't think it is. That's that's going to be a future literary literary work of college students everywhere. Uh, It's going to be like, okay, so you got to go to school. You got to read some Descartes. You got to read some, uh, I don't know, fuck it. Do kids read Herman Melville? I don't fucking know. And (laughs) they got to read some Bonin, some Gregory J. Bonin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely the greatest of all of the the sea philosophers i i mean i agree and i think uh i think i'm ready to deliver the uh conclusion wrapping up the thesis statement that has been this episode of this podcast great um, segue which is <laughs> oh just one of my best one of my best <laughs> for sure um but all of this to say Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. I am at... We'll see you next... Ooh. Oh, oh, yeah, go well, ahead. I don't have Twitter, but you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at TallPaul206. Ah, ah, perfect. Well, now we can credit... We'll include a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We should make a podcast. We should. Anyway. Honestly, and then I can include all the faces I make when pooping, but from Baywatch. Yeah. There we and, go. I don't know. We'll post something else. Maybe we'll post something special. Oh, also, just just to note for fans, um, expect something cool coming out soon. Uh, I can't tell you mm-hmm. what it is, just that it's original content. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, Baywatch prestige content. Oh, yes. You know Thank it. You. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be called. <laughs> but the one thing we can say for sure is that we will see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. And Adolf Oppelganger. <laughs> <laughs>